Welcome, welcome, welcome to Real Job Talk. I'm Kat Royer. I'm Liz Bronson. Hey, Liz, how's it going? It's going. It's going. So today we're going to talk about uh, the dreaded layoffs. Call them layoffs, redundancies, reductions in force, rifts, job eliminations, downsizing, cutbacks, streamlining, whatever term is used with you. When you're brought in to talk to your boss in HR, at the end of the conversation, the result is the same. You unexpectedly have to look for a new job. And if this happens to you and you're forced into a situation where you, where you need to decide what's next. So in today's episode, we're going to take you through the process of being laid off give different scenarios for how you handle it, and help you figure out the next role for yourself. So our goal here is that you are prepared and you know what to do if it happens to you. So first, let's talk about before you're laid off. You might be wondering how you're supposed to know, but there may be subtle signs. Not to make you paranoid or anything, but (laughs) there are a few things to look for that can help you to be ready in case you're going to need to look for a new role. Liz, what are some of the indicators? Well, first of all, if the company's just not doing well, I would say no matter what your position, what your company, what you're doing, you should have a Google alert or whatever your alert of choice is for the company you work for. If it's a public company, watch the stock prices, watch the news about them, watch the glass door if that's appropriate. But if you work at the Gap and you hear that they're going to close 200 Gaps, you might want to do some investigating to see where they might be targeting. And you want to think about, maybe I need to be looking for a a store that isn't closing. So make sure you know about your company's financial health to make sure that they're not facing having to make real big cuts. So even if you're not in the finance department, you you want to be paying attention to the company's financials. You just want to be paying attention to the news around your company. Yeah. And I think a lot of these tips that we're about to give about before it happens, it's the same. It's be aware of how your company is doing out there. And they're all kind of common sense kind of things too, Mm -hmm. but uh, sometimes it's good to have context. So another one, what what if your group isn't performing well? Mm -hmm. Yeah. If your group is kind of, well, they seem redundant or you're hearing a lot of blame and stuff and, and people aren't happy with what your group is putting out there. They may be thinking about getting rid of that group. Also, if your company is talking a lot about changing direction and your group is not part of that direction change or is part of the, we're going to be phasing out these products. And, you know, to go back to my Gap example, if Gap decides to get rid of Baby Gap and you work at or for Baby Gap, you may be getting ready to look for a new job. What about if your company is facing public scrutiny in the press about their business practices or product failures or just any kind of like newsworthy item that may not be looking so good? Totally. Again, follow the news about your company and see what's going on. If all the executives are caught in a giant scandal, the company's stock is probably going to tank and there may be layoffs because of this scandal or business practices aren't good, or believe me, there's a scandal a day in the news. Oh my goodness. Make sure that your company isn't part of it. And if it is, be a little more prepared. And this one may seem like a a no-brainer, but you know, if your company is about to announce layoffs or does announce layoffs, that's a clue. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> it's a really good clue. Now, again, company can announce layoffs. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to be laid off, but wouldn't you rather be prepared than not? And also, you know, we've seen this on the in the dot com booms and busts, and and all the ups and downs the economy takes is sometimes there's multiple rounds of layoffs, and so you may not be in round one or even round two, but once rounds start happening, unless it's a very targeted, like a group is not performing, I would be ready. Just. Because you never know when round three, four, or five is coming. So it's time to be prepared when the rounds of layoffs start. Yeah, another potential clue is, you know, if you notice upper management spending a lot of time with HR, um, this can be tricky because it can be a number of things, but it could mean that a big change is about to happen. So Mm -hmm. these are all kind of clues that you want to, you know, just take notice of. And we are not trying to spread paranoia. And you know, when you learn as an adult, these things aren't always about you and they're really not. So those HR meetings could be any number of things. But if you've got two or three of these combined, it's a really good idea to just start getting prepared. Right. And that, you know, we're, we're promoting uh, preparedness as opposed to paranoia. Yes. So... If any of these things happen, or if you see any other clues or writing on the wall, it's just a really good time to dust off your resume (laughs) and make sure it's updated with current information and and just to make sure it's got a current look. Start checking out job boards or inquiring about opportunities with friends. And you can do that really subtly. Like, you know, say you can say, I'm not sure if my company or group is going to be around much longer. Or things are fine now, but, you know, I'm just a little concerned about some of the things that I'm seeing, and I just want to make sure I'm prepared. Yeah. And maybe ask other people, like, have you heard anything about our company? What's our company's reputation out there? Because sometimes from the inside, it's hard to hear. And it's a great time to remind you guys that episodes two, three, and five are packed with tips and advice for navigating your job search. So have at them at this point when you're thinking, maybe I'm going to have to start one. Because it's a good time to put together that must-have lists and talk with your board of advisors around what you would want to do next. It's just a good time to be ready to go in case you have to. And if you don't have to, it's great to always reconnect with people that are on your board of advisors. Absolutely. And it's good to stay in touch with people. Mm -hmm. Well, Anything else you should be thinking of before it happens? You know, you probably want to know if your company has a job elimination policy and Mm -hmm. what your rights are as someone who's being laid off. Um, Being informed will help from the emotions taking over in case that moment happens. And that's, you know, that's one of the most important things here. We want (laughs) to encourage you to to stay calm and uh, just to, you know, take the next, you know, take the next step. But preparing for that next step, if you know you're going to get six months of severance, you can prepare for that. Whereas if you know you're going to get two weeks of severance, you can hopefully prepare for that. So To know what would happen if it happens makes the moment a lot less scary and unknown and the millions of questions go through your head. If you know what your company's policy is when you're called into the room, you're going to say, yep, that looks like the policy. Mm-hmm. Moving on. Um, and I would say this is the point where it is so hard, but try not to get caught up in the rumor mill at this stage. I mean, there are rumors at companies all the time. Are we going to get acquired? Is this going to happen? Is oh, that yeah. going to happen? Mm-hmm. And you most likely have no control over whether or not those things happen. You probably have no control of whether or not you're going to get laid off. So just 
head down, do your job, do the best you can, but you don't want to look back on your day and be like, oh my God, I spent half the day talking about rumors that nobody knows if they're substantial or not. Well, and also you just don't want to stir up shit, right? You don't want to be known as that person that is always there by the water cooler (laughs) stirring up, right? So, you know, as much as possible, try to be chill. Mm -hmm. And I know easier said than done, but it it is a practice. (laughs) It is a practice. And it's also the kind of thing where you can catch yourself. Yes. Of like, oh my gosh, I just got involved in a conversation Mm -hmm. about what ifs. I don't want to be there. I'm not Mm going to do that next time. So it's an important thing to note that when rumors are flying, you can just say, you know, I'll deal with it when it happens. And then because you're listening to us and you're so prepared, you're cool. So Kat, it happens. Then what? Well, when that moment happens and you're called into a room with your management and HR and they announce the layoffs and any potential severance and what happens to your benefits, sometimes this is done in a group setting. Sometimes it's done one-on-one. It's never pleasant. It's not fun for the people that are doing it either. Liz, any thoughts on how to behave in these kind of meetings? Yeah, I would honestly say if you anticipate it may happen, try to get some questions together before. But my advice is to have a piece of paper or your Evernote or whatever, however you take notes with you, listen, take notes, realize that you're not going to really hear everything. So you're going to want to take notes so that you can look at them later and then get out of there. Ask your questions when you're ready. A wonderful thing to say, if assuming it's a one-on-one meeting, is can I call you tomorrow with questions? They're mm-hmm. going to say yes. A hundred percent, they're going to say yes. So give yourself a moment, remind yourself to act with grace and dignity. And unless you have questions that you came up with before the moment, based on your research that you did around severance benefits, what have you, last day, if that's not clear, usually they go over all that stuff. But as the person receiving it, you're usually in such a fog, you don't hear it. So go over all the paperwork they give you. And then if you have questions, go back the next day to the HR person most likely and ask your questions. Calmly, you're calm, cool, and collected. You are the chillest, almost ex-employee they've ever seen. Don't forget to breathe. I mean, seriously, just if you find yourself in that situation, it is absolutely natural to, if your heartbeat starts to elevate, right, that's normal. And you can, you know, do whatever they ask you to do with, with grace and do it well And go out on a high note and be positive because, you know, the more you can rise above, even if you fake it, the better. And do your best not to talk badly about the company publicly. I mean, if you need to decompress, do it with people you really trust and be really careful about that because you just don't want to be so negative that you set yourself up with a reputation that is a difficult person. People will remember how you go out and do it with as much grace as possible. Uh Yeah, try to avoid the group bashing mm-hmm. talk. You know, the, when everyone goes out after with their severance agreements and gets wasted and talks about how crappy everything is and how unfair and awful, it feels like camaraderie. And I think that's wonderful. But as much as you can, you want to be someone that they want to rehire, that they're like, wow, they handled it so mm-hmm. well. You know, this sucks for everybody involved. So just keep that all in mind. And even colleagues will remember how you respond. And Mm -hmm. there's never anything wrong with taking the high road. Mm -mm. 
That's so true. So true. So people take this like mandated time off, if you will, really differently. Mm-hmm. And some people are like, I'm going on vacation. I'll be back in a month. I'm going to take advantage. Then I'll do my job search. And they can actually enjoy that month and live it up and have a cool, calm job search when they get back. And gosh, I wish I was one of those people. And mm-hmm. other people really get uncomfortable and can't fully relax until they're on the other side. And it's a really good time to get to know yourself and know mm-hmm. what you need to do so that you can plan your time off in a way that's going to be authentic, but also reassuring to you. And just do your best to be as positive as you can be with yourself. Mm-hmm. Even more importantly, being positive with others, you want to be positive with yourself. And, and that positive self-talk and remind yourself, you're going to survive. You're going to get through this. And those kind of positive vibes that you send toward yourself are really, really important, especially right now in a time of transition. Mm-hmm. I think it's a really good practice to take the moment and see the opportunity here. Take a day or two or some pre-search R&R. Reflect, slow down, spend time with family and friends. And if you're someone who thrives on structure, make a daily schedule for yourself that includes search time, networking time, and rest time. And because you're owning your own schedule, it is the perfect time to work on some of your personal goals, you know, whether it be fitness, developing a mindfulness practice, reading more. This is an opportunity for you to use the time to really make some traction on the goals that you have in place. Because you're off work, you don't have the demands on your schedule that you normally would have. So it's a great time to start or recommit to a mindfulness practice. And if you do, it'll help you feel better about yourself and put yourself in a better headspace for your search. One of the easiest ways to meditate or practice mindfulness is just simply listening to a guided meditation. I really like the Calm app for guided meditations. I know people who really like Headspace. And also, if you just do a search on YouTube, you can find a whole bunch of free meditations. But Mm -hmm. the more you can wrangle that monkey mind, that part of you that is like, oh, shit, what the hell am I going to do next? Mm -hmm. The more you can kind of calm that down and have a plan and a mindfulness practice will definitely support that calm feeling. You know, sometimes it's harder to go to sleep at night, right? When you've, mm-hmm. you're like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do next? The Calm app has sleep stories, which I find really helpful sometimes. So there are resources that don't cost a lot of money that are available to you. And there are even free resources. So if you're finding that you're, you know, kind of running on overdrive with your mind, take this time to, you know, start with five minutes a day of just mm-hmm. quieting your mind and focusing on your breath. I love that. And I also think it's time to get to that, like, oh, I wish I had time to list. So if you want to learn to code or you want to learn spreadsheets or you want to learn a new language. Yeah, to finally be able to speak Spanish fluently. Sure. Put that into your schedule for the day. Make it happen because you have this time that you are owning and you can structure. You want to be able to look back on the other side and be like, I use my time really well. If you're someone who travels all the time and all of a sudden you're home and you have kids or dogs or friends you don't see a lot, use this time to connect because it's going to go away again. And so make sure that when it's over, you'll be able to look back and look at what you accomplished and got through when you were off. You'll feel so much better achieving 
since you're not having the work achievements. And it also will distract you from the job search part. Learning makes you look better. And it will give you some structure. Yes. So we want to talk about how to start searching. But before we even kind of touch on that, before you start your job search, listen to episode two and really take some time to think about what it is that you want and to write down your ideal job qualities, to start doing the initial conversations with the people who are on your personal advisory board, people that you that you respect and you look up to, people who are well-networked, and just have some initial conversations. But how do you start the search process? Say you've been in a job for 10 years and haven't even updated a resume. What would you recommend, Liz? I recommended you saw the writing on the wall and got it all updated when, <laughs> when you weren't feeling under the gun. But then mm-hmm. if, if if it took you for surprise, which it happens all the time, so do not beat yourself up for that, maybe the first couple days or week is getting that caught up and you really spend some quality time with your resume and your LinkedIn. And I am such a big fan of LinkedIn for the reason of, oh, wait, is that your Rolodex? who did you used to work for? Hey, person who hired me once, want to hire me again? So Mm -hmm. connecting and reconnecting with people that you've worked with in the past, tell them you just got caught up in a layoff and you're looking and, you know, I'm looking for a great company that I want to land. You know me, I'm reliable, la, 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 la. And just start connecting. But yet we've got to get that resume updated. I like to tell people in a best practice way that resume updating should happen probably best practice every six months, Mm -hmm. good practice every year, just so that you're not caught with the 10-year, holy crap, now I have to remember what I did five years ago. But I think this is also a good time to say, five years ago, what you did, not that important. So people are really looking at your last couple of jobs and what you do now. So the fact, you know, the fact that I led an OFCCP audit in 2000 is irrelevant at this point. But what I did last month, super relevant. Yeah, much more important. So always be taken from the bottom and adding to the top. Kat, you're on the phone with that first recruiter. And I think when I talk to people that are in this situation, their scariest part for them is, what do I say? Mm -hmm. So be honest. And you're going to tell the story a lot, so practice it beforehand. If you were part of a reduction in force, you say that. And if it was a if it was a big percentage, you say, you know, you you mentioned how many people were laid off. You know, so tell the truth because the truth is the easiest to remember, but make sure that your story is a story that is is both honest and actually something that people can receive. Mm-hmm. So you might want to practice that before you actually have the conversation. Yep. There was a 10% reduction in force and I was last in, so I was first out. I mean, that happens. It was a great company. It was a really strong team, and there were so many positive things, and uh, I learned so much, and you know, really looking forward to finding another great team to work for. Yep. Yeah. It, short, sweet, and to the point. A couple sentences, yes. but a version of what happened that doesn't, you know, I had the worst manager ever, and they couldn't manage, you know, you are positive. You're like, yep, it happens. It happens to everybody. Unfortunately, I got caught up in it, but now I'm looking for the next thing, and this is what I'm looking for. And I am so excited about your company because X. So quick and dirty, tell the truth. The people who ramble at that question and the people who don't always keep their story straight, they have a lot of harder time landing. Absolutely. 
they're not going to make it past the first screen probably if they don't have a good, clean story. So, mm-hmm. you know, just make sure that that story is honest. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, and the rules are really the same as when when you're working and when you're not. You put out the word out there. You think of what's going to work for you and what you can and can't compromise on. But in this case, you keep really calm and you never let them see you sweat. And when they say, wow, you've been out for a couple months, maybe you took some time to travel or I took the summer off and now I'm starting to hit it hard. Mm -hmm. If there's been a few months that you've been looking, you say that. You can also say, I've been interviewing a lot, but I haven't found the right thing for me. I'm being really picky. Mm -hmm. That makes you sound in demand. Absolutely. So there's one rule here that we just can't stress enough. Do your research. For every call, you need to be prepared. Have your questions, know the company, get on that website, watch the videos, read the blogs. When you're not working, you have no excuse not to be prepared. Katja said, we can't stress it enough. I can't stress it enough. When I get on with someone who's been laid off and I'm like, have you looked at our website? Oh, I haven't had time. Really? Really? Not good. Not good. And frankly, when you're working, you still have five minutes to look at the website. So like, I'm going to throw that plug out there. You should always know something about the company you're interviewing with. But when you're not working, you have no excuse not to be the most prepared candidate out there. And that might include, you know, coming to the, not in the very beginning, but the, the in-person interviews. If I get this job, this is my 30, 60, 90 plan. This is what I would want to achieve. Mm-hmm. I'm a marketing person. I noticed that you're not doing a lot of Twitter. I would love to beef that up. Take your thing and run with it. But you want to be the most prepared candidate, not in a creepy way. Like I've been stalking you and I noticed that you go to bed at 1130, but in a genuine job-related informed candidate kind of way. Okay. Did we stress that enough, Kat? I think so. I think so. We want you to be prepared. Yes. (laughs) And um, because you're actively looking, you're probably juggling multiple opportunities. That's what we're hoping for you. And Mm -hmm. so you're constantly in an evaluation process, not necessarily of a, do I stay or do I go? Do I take this over this? But really, which one is my favorite? You know, who's number one, who's number two, and who's number three? And what are my choices and why? And goodness gracious, people, please go back to that must-have list. Yes. Because the shiny object can really get you on this one. Ooh, they said they were pay what? Mm -hmm. Ooh, that title. What are your must-haves, nice-to-haves, and okay-withs? And keep evaluating everything you hear against those opportunities and ask those questions that will answer them. Pull out that list. Pull out that list when you are evaluating. That list is going to be your North Star, your guideline. Mm-hmm. And, and really stay focused on the list and check off what works against your list with, with the new jobs. And if you're compromising on nice-to-haves, we're cool with that. But the must-haves, be really careful before you compromise. If you compromise on a must-have, you quite possibly may put yourself in a situation where you're not going to be successful because you're not Mm going to be happy. A part of you is not going to be happy going into the search. So those must-haves, you have to be, you have to use it as a strong boundary Mm -hmm. and trust that you're going to find the right role for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Trust that everything happens for, uh, that's such a good point. Trust that everything happens for a reason and 
keep that North Star right in front of you. Know that you will find the right role and be confident in that. Mm -hmm. And that will really help you. And I know it's anxiety producing. I get it. I get it. But know that you will come on the other side of this. So Kat, if number three comes to you with your first offer and you're like, I, I, I love company number one, then two, then three, and three's like, here's your offer. Kat, what do you do at that point? Well, you want to be honest, right? You want to go, mm-hmm. but you want to do it smartly. So go back to one and two and let them know that you have an offer, but you've asked for a week uh, to make a decision because you've explained to them that you're interviewing and let them, and then see what happens. But let them know as soon as you have an offer and let them know that you're really interested. You know, if it's one and two, convey how interested you are in those opportunities. Mm-hmm. And then you have to wait and see what happens. And Kat, I've noticed you said a week. Why did you say a week? I personally think a week is a reasonable amount of time to ask. And if a company tells you that they can't give you a week, that's a red flag. Yeah. Even in a fast, fast growing startup kind of environment where things are moving super, super fast. I had a client once wait for me for almost three months while I found a director of HR replacement. And it really stuck with me. I mean, I think that if mm-hmm. someone is, you know, if someone is is willing to wait for you, it shows that they believe that you're a good fit for the company and they're willing to wait. And it's eight years later and I'm still working with that company. Mm-hmm. They're one of my main companies. Love that. that I work with. You know, I personally think a week is not asking too much. What do you think about that, Liz? I agree with you on the week. I think more than a week. Mm-hmm. Gets a little. Then they know they're not your first choice. So mm-hmm. when you get that offer, and as, assuming you're not turning it down because it doesn't meet your must-haves, there's a ch- good chance you may end up working there. And when you're like, well, I need more time. I need more time. They know you're looking because they know you're not working. They know that you're waiting for other offers at that point. When you ask for more than a week, I think it's really fair to say, can I have a week to finish up my process so that I can look at things side by side? I think that's totally legit and awesome. More than that, they know you're sitting waiting by the phone for somebody else and will turn them down if you get those other things. And if they do think that's the case, don't be surprised if they rescind an offer. I've seen it happen. We both have many oh. times. <laughs> they don't want they don't want to work here enough to sign mm-hmm. after a week. We're moving on. So another thing that I forgot to mention is when when an offer comes through and you ask for a week, you make sure to let them know that you are grateful for the opportunity mm-hmm. and you're excited about the opportunity. Thank you so much. I am super excited about this opportunity and I'm looking at a couple other things too. And I just want to be able to compare them side by side, like you Mm -hmm. said earlier, Liz. I'm close to an offer with a couple of other companies. I'd love to be able to look at them all side by side because there's pros and cons to everything. But I want to thank you so much. Everything's been so great. And I'm so excited about this company and opportunity. Can I get back to you in a week? And that's it. And you tell one and two, like Kat said, all these companies know you're looking. And then it's time for you to have your integrity kick in. And if one and two can't get it together with at least a verbal offer in a week, then A, they're not that into you. Or B, it's not meant to be. And hey, company number three, I can't wait to start on Monday. As long as company number three meets your major criteria and they're excited to have you, 
you may really want to consider accepting that offer and putting your job search to rest. Mm -hmm. And think of how relieved you'll be when that happens. I will say one thing about negotiating at this point, because everyone knows you're not working, you don't have the strongest negotiation standpoint unless you have more than one offer in hand. Mm -hmm. And they know that. You may have really wanted that VP title and they gave you a director. And again, if VP's on your must, must have list, fine. But if it's really about the opportunity, then look at that. So there are things that you may have to compromise on at this stage because they know that you're not in a position to negotiate when you're working and you say, nope, I'm not leaving if I don't get a VP title. They know they're not going to get you. Mm -hmm. If you're not working, you say, I want a VP title. They're like, we've got director for you. They know that that probably won't keep you from joining. So it is harder to negotiate at this stage unless you're trying to get one offer to match another. But be careful at this stage because when you're negotiating hard at the offer stage, especially when you don't have a job, they might take that as greedy or negotiating during an offer is a whole separate skill set. And you have to make sure not to look a gift horse in the mouth. What do you think, Kat? I agree completely. I think it's really important to convey gratitude every step of the way. These people are taking, you know, are interested in you and have put together an offer. And that is always something to be grateful for. And don't forget when they're waiting for you, they're not going with anybody else. So they're potentially losing the number two candidate. They they maybe have turned off number three. Who knows? You don't know what's going on with them. They don't know what's going on with you. But when you're asking them to wait, they're waiting on you and your answer. And so a lot of times offers are rescinded because someone didn't give an answer. So just try to make it as speedy as possible so that, because that really conveys interest and excitement, Mm -hmm. which is going to help you start with your manager on a really good foot. And if you don't convey that, you're going to be starting off on not the best foot. And that's never a good way to start a new job. You want to start excited and, you know, convey that excitement. Well, and you want your manager to feel like they really want to be here. Absolutely. Not, ugh, they took this because they had to. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and then it's time to kick butt and show them that through your actions and through your great work that you're going to do for them. That first 90 days is crucial in a new job. It really is. So, Kat, sum it up for me. Someone got laid off. They navigated through the meeting better than they expected to. All along the way, it's challenging. It can be anxiety-producing. But yet when they're having those thoughts come up, They also tell themselves, wait a minute, this could be the best thing that happened and the the perfect opportunity is around the corner for me. And the more Mm -hmm. you can reframe your thoughts and keep yourself positive, the faster and the easier it's going to be to land that job that's a good fit for you. Yeah. Keep smiling. Sometimes it's fake it if you make it, Mm -hmm. self-talk, but you're not like desperado, like, yeah, I can start tomorrow. This sounds awesome. I haven't even explained it to you yet. Slow down. (laughs) You're excited. You know, this gives me an opportunity. I was thinking about leaving anyway. This gave me the push I needed. And I'm just so excited Mm -hmm. for what's going to come next. Mm -hmm. And the more you say that, the more you're going to believe it. And I know the bills are out there and I know the feeling all too well, but the more you can stay positive and calm and 
deep breathing and meditation and looking at yourself and taking advantage of the time. And when it's 3.30 in the afternoon and your kid just came home and you're shooting hoops with them, take a moment for gratitude because you don't get to do that when you're going in the office every day. So try to find the moments of gratitude and the moments of calm and know that you'll get through it. And on that note, if you have any questions, please reach out. We're here for you. This is Real Job Talk, a podcast about jobs, careers, and what's not said at the water cooler. Our website with all Real Job Talk related information is realjobtalk.com. We'd love to hear from you. Please send us your questions, topics you'd like to talk about, and Real Job Talk stories. And you may find them featured on a future episode. Use the website or email us at realjobtalk at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Real Job Talk. And on Instagram and Facebook at Real Job Talk Show. My name is Kat Troyer. You can find me on Twitter at Daily Cat, And on LinkedIn, you can find me via Kathleen Nelson Troyer. And I'm Liz Bronson. On Twitter, I'm at Liz Beeks and Salt. And on LinkedIn, I'm Liz Bronson. Real Job Talk is a tech reckoning production. Our producer is John Mark Troyer. Our graphic artists are Lexi and Zachary Bronson. And we're here by the water cooler waiting to talk with you.